0: I like it. I love to sing worship. I've got five songs rolling through my brain right now that I could just start singing. I'm in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Uh, For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Descoli. And uh, on behalf of the Summit Church family, if you're a guest today, welcome. We're unique here, and and, uh, the crazy thing in this day and age, we're unique in that we're teaching the Bible one book at a time, taking that verse by verse, okay, and uh, I don't know why that seems so strange, but that's what God has called us to, and this is why we're currently in a major study of the book of Ephesians. Now, I've had you turn to chapter 4, verse 11 of Ephesians, but I'm going to have you look at a few things ahead of that as we get started here, too, so just keep your finger there, and, and I'll move you around a little bit. But we've put together this prayer. This is based on two prayers prayed for the church at Ephesus by the Apostle Paul. So they're called apostolic prayers. And we've kind of adapted this, and so we've made it into a prayer that we've been praying each week. So I'd like you to pray this with me. But, um, you know, I come from a very liturgical background, and if you're not careful, you can get in the mode where you're speaking words but not connecting with what you're saying. So as we pray this prayer, let's make it our prayer together. And uh, there's actually two slides, so this is the beginning of the prayer, but uh, pray it with me. God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, we pray that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. And isn't that primary right there? To know him more. Let's go on. We ask that the eyes of our hearts... May be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, and your incomparably great power for us who believe. We pray that out of your glorious riches you will strengthen us with power through your Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. Through faith. And we pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And if you'd like to get that prayer as it is, just let me know. uh, And maybe after I'm back in about 10 days, I can get that to you. Because it is a blessed, blessed prayer. And it's obviously not in your note-taking guide, in your bulletin. But in chapters 1 through 3, we learned about where we are to sit in Christ. Where we sit positionally in Christ when we choose to be christ Followers. And a good summary of that is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And I have this verse here. I'd like you to read it with me and notice this together as we read it. Read it with me. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And that verse is so important because it, it, it teaches us it teaches us the very basic of the faith basics of the faith talking about where we sit in Christ that right now it's not future it's not future tense it's present tense that right now positionally because of what Christ has done and because we have chosen to follow Christ we are now seated with him in the heavenly realms now we've got to get that Okay, because if the book of Ephesians should do anything for us, it should help us to understand what is ours in Christ Jesus in order that we might walk in. Okay, so notice first, we're sitting in Christ. We need to understand this in order that we might walk in the kingdom resources and benefits and power that he has made available to us right now. Okay, so chapters 1 through 3, where we sit in Christ. Chapter four, we turned a corner in that we move from where we sit in Christ to how we should then walk with Christ. And the pivotal statement is chapter four, verse one. Just notice that quickly, where the word therefore has been eliminated from the NIV Bible. But the therefore says, Because of where you sit in Christ, then it goes, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have. Received. And in that, we saw a couple of things that are involved. First, we are to be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Did you hear that, church? Bearing with one another in love. Is there anything more frustrating than people? Huh? Let's be real here. Anything more frustrating than people? And yet, we have people in their frustration walking away from the body all the time. And I'm just telling you, the scripture says, let's bear with one another in love. Okay, this is a discipline. God puts up with you just like you are. So, what gives you the right to do any less for somebody else, huh? Yeah. Okay, so why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, okay, I'm going to bear with you. <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> and then make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of love. Now, in the unity of the Spirit, we began to move toward this discussion and teaching that Paul gives us on spiritual gifts. We are each given different gifts that will make the body complete, but they're only given as God decides they should be given, they are apportioned by Christ. And the important thing in these gifts to notice is that our unity does not destroy our individuality. How can we as many, as unique as we are, be one? How can a husband and wife stand before God and hear the minister say the two shall become flesh when obviously they're distinctly two? How can Jews and Gentiles be separate yet united in Christ. How can there be a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet not be three gods, but be one God? And maybe a good illustration to help us understand this is a prism. If you take one light beam and you shine it through a prism, you suddenly d- d- discover that that one light beam can be divided into three different colors of light. There are three Yet somehow, they're one. This, my friends, is the miracle of oneness. This is how the kingdom of God operates. And we will glorify God best in this world and reach this world as we become one. And man, all the denominations out there. Oh my goodness, those aren't reaching anybody yet right here in this congregation. Even in your row, even in your family, we don't know what oneness is about, and we need the power of God to work it out so that we can operate in all the fullness that God has for us. Amen? Even though we don't understand that completely, but we see what the need is. Now, back at verse 7, we saw this, still talking about spiritual gifts, but... To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, and this is a quote from Psalm 68 18, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. So here we are, we were once prisoners. To, slave, to slaves, to, to sin and death, not sure of our future. Christ, in his victory over the grave, has led us to freedom. In leading us to freedom, he has poured out his Holy Spirit, and he's given each one of us a grace gift, singular, which that grace gift is reconciliation with God through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. Then in addition to leading us in his train to liberty, he gives us gifts, plural, which means that each one of us has unique contributions that we can make to the kingdom of God. What this is about, it's about the Holy Spirit. This is about Christ multiplying his kingdom, his operations through you and me. He ascended into heaven saying, you will do greater things. The way this happens is he's multiplying himself by his Holy Spirit into all who will trust him so that we're all participants in the kingdom. The the army of God is multiplied as Christ is doing his work in each one of us. We're not to compare gifts. I like his gifts better, her gifts better. We're not to measure gifts. He got more than I got. No, we are to recognize the gifts God has given us, to be thankful for the way that God has gifted us, and then to be faithful in using those gifts for his glory. Now, I'm having a good time. How are you doing? All right. I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> Do any of you get that just surge of energy when you, when you kind of pull out of town, you know? It's like getting off the island. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Clear to Israel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is so unbelievable. Who would have thought? But, but as I was praying over this, I, I had a unique application come to mind. I want you to hear this. The key to understanding your gift or your gifts, because Christ is apportioning these gifts, and being able to use those gifts to their full potential, knowing the gift God has given you, And then using those gifts to their full potential is rooted in your position in Christ, which is a definite repeat of everything I just said, which means the key to understanding your gift and operating out of your gift is where you sit in Christ so that where you sit becomes your priority. Okay, so make your primary pursuit to know him, And then you already know we're supposed to be serving each other. So begin to move out and begin serving in the body. And through that, you'll begin to discover your spiritual gift. We don't need all these spiritual gift assessments. We just need people better connected to Jesus and then just doing the things that we know to do. And in that, we'll get greater clarity. Simple application. Now, We're going to get to our text today, verse 11. I need to define what we're about to see because there are actually three gifts, three lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible. I don't believe any or all of those lists are complete in any way, but the gifts we see here in Ephesians 4 are leadership gifts, and they're given for a specific purpose, so we're going to see these, we're going to try to understand these, and then we're going to understand what they're about and what it means to us, okay? So walk with me here. It says, it was he who's that christ yes who gave some to be apostles now many of us in here haven't taught that the gift of the apostle no longer functions okay because we've been taught about the capital a apostles which would include the 12 disciples along with and yes it does still call judas one of the 12 apostles Oh my goodness, what do we do with that? And then we have Matthias, who replaced Judas, and we have the Apostle Paul, who came later. But by the church not recognizing the gift of apostle operating today, I believe we've cut one of our functioning limbs off. And there are apostles today with a small a, and some are claiming the office of apostle has been restored through prayer movements that are sweeping the world. There are 24-7 prayer movements that are going like never before. And out of that, church planning efforts that are huge, that are coming out of the movement of prayer. So this is a challenge for us to begin to say, God, help us to see that gift of apostle. I'm not going to tell you the name of any apostles today, but I'm going to ask God just to help us to discern that. So we have apostles. Then we have Prophets, okay? So he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. Now, there are two kinds of prophets. There are prophets that foretell, and there are prophets that foretell. I believe God has given me a multiple gift mix, part of which is foretelling, that God has wired me in a unique way that I am passionate about communicating God's word with clarity to this generation, okay? That is the foretelling gift. There are also prophets, and we tend to think of this when we think of prophets, who foretell. And some of those foretelling prophets, well, all the foretelling prophets are able to understand and talk about things that are yet to come, all held in check to what we've already been given through the word of God. Some of those prophets are given a large message for the masses so that they can bring clarity to how things are going to unfold in the big picture, and their message seems to increase with their lifetime. But there are other prophets who are given that gift for only short moments, sometimes even just to speak into someone's life. So you might be in a prayer meeting, and someone says to you, I believe God has given me a word for you. And then they share with you what they've heard. And I thank God for people who have spoken these kinds of prophecies into my life maybe even placed a hand upon me and then they give me a word and some of those things we've actually seen uh, come uh, to bear fruit but you have to exercise caution when it comes to this gift and you need discernment because there are those people who want to always come in and it seems like every time they, you get around them they get a word from God and it's like they get more words than Jeremiah or Isaiah ever got huh and you got to be careful with that and typically they want to speak with directives instead of the sweet spirit that says i believe god has given me a word for you they speak in such a way that it leaves no room for you to consider god whatsoever and so in helping us with that every word that's spoken as a prophecy we must lay that before god and allow him to confirm that word in our spirits or with time okay very important Two types of prophets. Did you get them? What are they? Okay, good. Any questions, class? (laughs) I just love this. All right. So we have have apostles, we have prophets, and then we have evangelists. These evangelists he's talking about are leaders in the church These are those individuals that have a very unique gift in that they just seem to reap fruit everywhere they go. They speak the good news of the kingdom and people come to Christ. Now, just because we have people who have this extreme gift of evangelism operating in the church and we need them, doesn't mean that we don't have to be involved in the evangelism process, okay? We should all be doing the work of an evangelist, but that doesn't mean we're going to see the kind of fruit the guy who led me to the Lord—I still today can't believe that I credit him for leading me to the Lord. You know, and that's just just the way it works. Uh, some of you may be involved in just throwing seeds out there. You know, you're kind of this sower, and and sometimes you wonder why can't I just see somebody come to faith? And then lo and behold, along comes one of these evangelists, and the next thing you know, this person you've been sharing with wants to tell you their testimony, and it's because you played a part in all of this so that's the gift of evangelists this next one notice it says some pastors but it doesn't say and some teachers right you see that in your scripture because of that there are those who teach this and want to make this one gift that it's a pastor teacher gift sorry i disagree possibly they work together At times but they need to be looked at separately could very well be Paul summing things up says some pastors and some teachers you with me on that okay a pastor gift the gift of pastoring a pastoral gift these are those people who have an unusual heart for other people great efforts great kindness great care come from these people now It's unfortunate that I'm the only one in the church, uh, this church, that carries the title pastor. I believe that's another effort of the devil to deny the gifts that operate in the body. And I say that because there are people in this congregation who do a better job caring for people than I do, and that's a good thing. Did you hear that? There are people in this congregation who do a better job caring for people than the guy with the title pastor does. And that is a good thing that needs to be celebrated. And I celebrate those folks. Some of you have a pastoral gift, but just to hear the title pastor kind of intimidates you. But I need to encourage you to operate in that gift. The next gift, teachers. Teachers love to study the Word. They love to research things and make discoveries. They like to know words and and word meanings. In fact, to them, whenever they're preparing to teach something, they feel like they're really enjoying Christmas shopping. Can you imagine that? They're, They're really enjoying Christmas shopping. And they're gathering all these presents, and, and they're at home, and they're wrapping their presents, just kind of thinking about how those gifts are going to be received. And then when they go to the place where they're going to teach, it's like they're being out, bringing all these presents, and they're, and they're laying them there in front of the, 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 the people they're teaching, and it's like they're, they're all opening the presents together, and there's great excitement, and there's wrapping paper everywhere, and people are charged. You get the sense that I operate on that gift just a little bit? Yes, absolutely. That's what's going on here. Leadership gifts. What is the purpose of the leadership gift? Now, go back to verse 11, see it. God has appointed, Christ has appointed, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. The better translation, to equip the saints, the church, for the work of the ministry. Ministry and serving are the same thing. Did you just hear what it said? He's appointed people like me and others in the church to equip you to carry out the work of the ministry. That's the word of God right here. So pop, So contrary to popular belief, ministry cannot and should not be limited to some profession. But instead, it's about ordinary people just like you and me operating out of the gifts God has given to us in order that we may serve others around us. I am not a hired minister. I am a called man of God to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And this is what we're doing right here, right now. We are in the business of... Of multiplying the kingdom this is the way it works i'm amazed at the kingdom the the holy spirit what's he doing giving glory to jesus what's jesus doing giving glory to the father what's the father doing saying this is my son listen to him the 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 whole trinity is pointing at each other and saying see him see me we're see each other see us and you think about john the baptist preparing the way for jesus Right? Great ministry, baptizing people all the time. And he says, I must decrease that Christ may increase. Jesus says, I'm leaving, but another one's coming after me. Multiplying the kingdom. In fact, he says, because that other one's coming after me, you're going to do greater things than I've been doing because now kingdom is multiplied. And yet today, because we have all these MDivs and high degrees and and schools that are like Ivy League schools training pastors, it's like guys want to say, this is my job, don't even touch it. So we hold them up in this high office, and the kingdom of God is stifled. As a result, we are in the business of uh, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, the word equip, you can use that word, in a sentence to describe setting a bone, putting something in place. Uh, 1996, 97, somewhere in there, I was playing basketball. I went up for a layup, and everybody heard it crack three times. My leg went. I tore my arterial cruciate ligament. Had to have a new one put in. So now, if it was 96, that's been what you know 15 16 years ago and so now my knee is starting to get loose again and every once in a while that knee gets out of joint and it hurts like crazy because it's not operating as it should and I never remember you know just go in and get that knee reset and you'll feel better you know it takes me five days until I'm having to crawl on my stomach to get everywhere I want to get and then I think wait a minute I can get that fixed And so I go to the chiropractor, and he's got this neat little trick where he sets me up. Do you really want to (laughs) know? And man, his thumbs, he just puts that thing back in place, and it's almost like immediate relief. And this is the picture of equipping, that the church isn't functioning the way it should. In, In many cases, it's kind of painful because people are not functioning in their proper position. And so we've got to get people operating as God intended them to operate. Okay, so four applications about spiritual gifts, just real quick. And some of this will be a little bit repetitive, but man, thank God for repetition. Number one, who gets what gifts is decided by God. Our part is to recognize our gift, be grateful for our gift, and to be faithful in using our gift, and if by chance someone notices and says, God is using you in amazing ways, the best we can say is, all glory to Him. Yeah. Second application. <clears throat> since it is God who enables us to understand our gift and to operate out of our gift, and since it is God who gives us our gift, knowing Him is more important than knowing Him the gift so we make knowing our gift secondary to knowing him in fact most christians probably don't even know what their spiritual gift is and that's tragic so i hope you heard me say and i'm going to say it again they've got all of these spiritual gift tests that i just think throw people off make knowing him your primary pursuit Do what you already know to do in moving into service, and through that you will discover where you are most effective. I believe that. Then others will affirm it, and you'll just say, Glory to God. Third, never pursue your gift to the detriment of your character. Think of a a spirit, think of your character as being a garden hose and think of your spiritual gift as being the water that <laughs> flows through that hose and if your hose if your character is full of holes you're just going to make a mess and that gift is not going to be applied as God has intended to be implied but it's just going to mess things up well, I think it's Warren Wiersbe who said many times um, oh this isn't a Warren Wiersbe quote I don't know where I got this one. This is a common one. I can't hear your words when your life is screaming so loudly. Yeah, this is about character. In fact, I told you there are three places where spiritual gifts are listed. One of those is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And after giving that list of gifts, and I'll show you that in a minute, as God allows, after giving that list, he transitions with this statement. Listen to it. He says, eagerly desire the greater gifts, talking about spiritual gifts, and now I will show you a more excellent way. And then right there, tragedy of tragedies, because the scholars have created these chapter divisions, and the thought is supposed to continue right into chapter 13, which is the love chapter, where there we discover that it's our love for one another that surpasses any other gift that may be manifested through us. And that, my friends, is about character tragically there have been those who have had incredible gifts gifts of prophecy gifts of being able to speak a word of knowledge and revelation into people's lives but because they had these holes in their hoses they had little impact in fact did more damage than good because people could not hear what they were saying through what they were seeing in them yet at the same time you look beautiful, the body. At the same time, there have been those people who could not tell you what their spiritual gift is, but because the love of God so flowed from their beings, and, and because their character was so attractive that they had incredible influence for the kingdom and may not have even realized it. And someday they're going to see it full bore <laughs> when Jesus reveals all things so it's more about where you sit than where you walk but it's the sitting that produces the walk and it's more about him than it is what you think you're going to do for him because the reality is it's about him being glorified through you and the only way that can happen is by a relationship wow application number four how am I doing? Good. Super. I'm really thirsty today. Anybody glad they showed up? Yeah. Good deal. Knowing the purpose, know the purpose of your spiritual gift. And this is where we go next. So let's just quickly back to verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service or to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So first, your primary, the primary purpose for your gift isn't so that you can jump on stage and, uh, and show your great gift, but it's to serve in the body. Okay, see that? Prepare God's people for the ministry, service. Okay, going on. So that the body of Christ may be built up. And that means the second purpose of your gift, not only to serve But to edify, which is where we get our word edifice, which is about building up. But it has its root in this word oikos, which means family. So it's saying so that the family may be properly built up. And yet I think about my younger years and my zeal. I used to get so frustrated with the church. Why aren't more of you sharing your faith? Why don't you see you're the light of the world? Why are more of you exercising evangelism? And man, I would beat people up and beat people up. And one time I even remember crying because it was like, you people don't even get it. And then God just kind of spoke into my life and says, it's good news of the kingdom. And I want you to feed my sheep, build them up. And from that point on, my message changed. I want to love you. I want to encourage you in your faith. I want you to understand your faith so that you can grow in love for Him and grow in love for others. I want to build you up. I want to edify you. This is what it's all, all about. Verse 13, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In the word right there, the purpose of your spiritual gift is so that we will be complete as a body we are better together spiritual gifts contribute to our unity and maturity and you can't have one without another somebody talks about unity all the time yet they lack maturity or someone talks about being mature all the time and yet they have no capacity for unity people who claim to be mature in the church who are better dividers then they are unifiers. Or they want to sit back and say, my level of spirituality, I don't want anything to do with people in the church. And that has nothing to do with bearing with one another in love. And this is what we're supposed to be about. Because when maturity and humility work together we begin to see manifest the very things we saw earlier that we are to be humble and gentle patient bearing with one another in love and making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace going on verse 14 then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves And blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So right there you see when the body operates properly and when each member is playing their part, there is built-in protection. There is so much confusion in this world about what is truth. And yet somehow it's in our unity that we discover it. It's, It's like this. The reason we teach the Bible verse by verse and not just teach psychology or nice tips to make you feel better on Monday is because we want to know what's real and we want to know what's false. We want to know what's true and we want to know what the lie is. And we're better at this together. Okay, going on. Verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part, that's you and me, does its work. Now just a word about the truth in love. Truth, and this is the Warren Worsby quote, in fact, let me get this for us, let's see if I can, I can find it here. Truth without love is brutality... While love without truth is hypocrisy, and man, truth is like a chainsaw taken to someone's heart if it's not balanced with love. Yet love without truth can be just like that bishop in uh, Princess Bride* who can't even say the word love, 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 love and marriage, and that's what we want our preachers, huh? We want this love, but we don't want truth. Balancing it, and it takes both. And man, I have done my share of being a chainsaw. I will never forget a man named Mike Ronkeel. Every Thursday night when I was about 18, new believer, 19, I would set up these volleyball nets in our church parking lot, And people from the neighborhood would come and play. And uh, the church was kind of legalistic, and I wasn't buying into it all. But sometimes when I got in my little passion mode, I could rip people to shreds. And one day I'm sitting in a board meeting, and they're commending this tremendous outreach that we're doing. And I said, well, it would sure be a lot better if Mike Ronquillo wouldn't wear those T-shirts he's wearing. And Mike's sitting right next to me. And he's like, I had no idea that was offending you. And I was so sorry, because I should have talked to him. It may have been true, <laughs> but it wasn't spoken in love. I want to finish this, so I'm pressing on. The purpose of spiritual gifts, you catch him, to serve, to build up, to make complete, to protect, primarily to know him better. It's, that's the primary pursuit. And uh, best summed up by making love primary in all things. There are many gifts, many gifts, more gifts than even we can see in scriptures. But I want to read you these two passages that kind of show them too, because I think this might just speak into someone's life. First first one is Romans 12, verse 4. Look at this. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all, all have the same function. Just in case you're ADD and you just checked out right there, I just want you to look at your hands and I want you to look at your feet. And just ask yourself the question: I'm glad. Am I glad that my hands are where they are and my feet are where they are? Or ask yourself the question: uh, I'm glad that my hands. am, Am I glad that my hands aren't where my feet are and that my feet aren't where my hands are? Okay, this is just what we read right here. You, we each have a body with members, and those members, hands and feet, all have a part. Just like that. He goes on. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member, oh, we don't understand this. Look, it belongs to all the others. Oh, my goodness. How does that work? We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Who decides that? Christ. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, that's the word minister, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, did you know encouraging was a spiritual gift? If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Did you know giving is a gift? If it is leadership, let him lead. If it is, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. There's one list, okay? Now here's another one. This is 1 Corinthians 12. talked about it a moment ago. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, ministry, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for what's those next three words That's us together to one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom one person speaks and wisdom comes out to another the spirit of the message or uh, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit a word of knowledge somebody able to speak truth in an unbelievable way To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, interpretations of tongues. And these all, these are, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one. What's those next few words? He determines. And yet somehow in the body of Christ we think, I don't believe to pray for someone's healing. Well, maybe that's not your gift. Do you believe God is able to heal? Yeah. We don't all have to have all the gifts. Just play your part. And Paul even says in other places that there are those gifts, those body parts that we don't even notice, that we take extra care to kind of, you know, protect They all matter, and you matter. Yes. So I want to celebrate. It begins with where you sit in Him. Primarily, make Him your chief pursuit. Where do you sit with Him? Do you sit with Him? Come home. Sit with Him. He has so much to give you. And then, I thank God for every one of you And sometimes you think, I don't have much to contribute. And and is any of this about money? Huh? No. I don't have much to contribute. We're talking about giftedness. And yet, I want you to know, without that little part, without that little ligament, I'm a mess. I need you. We need you. Father God, Be glorified in all the earth. Teach us what it means to be the body. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your love for them. Thank you that you've uniquely wired each one of them. And Lord, I'm sorry that sometimes culture has undermined the beautiful thing that you've done in each of these lives or that you long to do in each of these lives so that somehow gifts get diminished and aren't recognized the way that you see them for their full value. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.